The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the Listening to Pilgrim's Progress, I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I love that old hymn. It lifts my heart. Let's pray. Lord, as I come today to proclaim your word, I'm asking Jesus if you would make room in our hearts to pray. Lord, would you make room? Would you hollow out a space for us to pray? Lord, we seem to fill our lives with all manner of activities until there's no room left for you, O Lord. Seemingly, 
we can do whatever we need to do to take care of our lives. I know that's not true. Jesus, I know that you alone are the source of life. You alone are the source of all provision. Lord, it's so long to learn this. Over and over I've had evidence in my life of your miraculous care and mercy. But Lord, now I'm seeing that every mercy comes from you and that every provision comes from you. That every grace comes from you, Jesus. Friends, family, work, groceries from the grocery store. Lord, everything comes from your hand. Lord, hollow out a place in our hearts that we could pray in your name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I have for so many years watched the mercy of God as it flowed to me and to others. And yet somehow there seemed to be a part of my heart that still thought I had to provide for myself. I even made a covenant with the Lord. I will receive only from your hand what you give me. And yet I've reached out my hand to take what I thought I needed. I think sometimes God has to bring us down to nothing so that we can finally say, it is the Lord's provision that I'm alive. Some of you are facing that right now. You're out of money, or perhaps you're sick. Your knees don't work the way they are supposed to. Something is, is wrong and you're afraid you might die. You can't provide for yourself. The most important things in life all come from the hand of Jesus. Now, I want to get right down to the bottom of this. Right down to the bottom. Will you go with me? You see, I know that our actions are what we will be judged by before our Holy Father, before Jesus. We are saved by faith, but we're judged by our actions. Jesus came to make us holy. So, what does that look like? Well, we've been reading in Matthew, the fifth chapter, as Jesus has begun to speak to us very specifically about actions, that murder begins in the heart. And he's saying, don't be angry. Let it go. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't let it begin to grow a bitter root in your heart. And he's saying, don't commit adultery. Don't be unclean sexually. 
Don't, don't go to the pornography. Don't, don't walk in uncleanness. But then he goes even deeper. And I want to go there with you now. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 38, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What's what's he mean? Well, it's out of the Old Testament, and it's the law. And the law says that if an enemy causes your eye to be lost, then the judges will judge the case, and they'll take that man's eye. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, blow for blow, injury for injury. But Jesus comes and he says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Or I could put it in a more modern vernacular. I'm reading from, of course, this is the New King James Version. If someone comes and sues you to take your your shirt or your coat, let them have your shirt too. This is a hard saying. Because it means that what I've worked so hard for and what I've put away for so many years, suddenly I see it all being stolen through a lawsuit when you've done nothing wrong. Should you counter-sue? Can a Christian sue another person who's a Christian? How can that be? If we're going to spend eternity together, how can a Christian brother sue another who's also a Christian? Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Well, what if you have $5,000? And this person has a great need. And they ask, could I borrow the $5,000? Now, you know you're going to need that $5,000. You have expenses that you're going to have to cover. But they ask for it. And the Bible says, don't turn them away. Well, I've done that. And then when the time came for that money to be repaid, it was not repaid. And I was hung and had to pray through what to do about that $5,000. And had the Lord say to me, Forgive him. Write him a letter and tell him the debt is totally forgiven, that he does not owe you anything. 
I did that. Now, the ground has been laid for prayer. Because now I can go into the prayer closet and I can explain to Jesus what I've done based on his word. And I can ask him, Jesus, would you replace that money? Would you cover this? Because you're my source. And that's what I did, and that's what he did. But now Jesus goes even deeper. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Oh, now, now we're right into the midst of it, aren't we? What if someone treats you poorly and you've done nothing to them? What if you've simply poured out love in every way you knew how to pour out love, but they come back and they hate you? They become an enemy and they curse you. And they want to take everything you have. They spitefully use you. They persecute you. And the Lord is saying, you shall love, you shall love your enemy and bless those who curse you? Oh, do you see? This gets us down right to the very bottom of the barrel where everything is in its infancy and will grow into either a monster or be put out of its misery. How do I love my enemy? How do I bless those who curse me? How do I do good to those who hate me? How do I pray for those who spitefully use and persecute me? It says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So someone who has desperately wronged me and suddenly, I run into them at the grocery store. What do I do? Well, I can dodge and duck and go the other way and hope they didn't see me. Have you ever done that? I have. Or you have another option. You can move forward and greet them like a friend. Oh, hello, how are you? I'm glad to see you. God bless you. I've been praying for you. Wow. But what I want you to understand today is that we cannot obey these scriptures about not resisting the evil person, not 
not resisting it even when they slap us, but we turn the other cheek. When they sue us to take everything we have, when they compel us to do things we don't want to do, when they ask to borrow from us and then don't repay, how do we love our enemies and bless those who curse us? How do we do good to those who hate us and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you? Do you understand? We don't relate in the scriptural manner in the way of Jesus. We do not relate to people in the way they relate to us. We have a higher standard that we are called to in the gospel of Jesus. We don't return anger with fire. We don't return hatred with avoidance and hatred. But rather we respond with kindness, with mercy. Oh, pastor, if I do that, I'm going to lose everything. Okay. I can tell you this, doing what Jesus has said, you will never lose Jesus. And you will never leave the Father in heaven. And you will be found perfect before Jesus So, now, what's more important? Do you want to defend what you have? Or do you want to be like the Father in heaven? Now, it's not by accident that the disciples learned a prayer that day. Now, they're going to ask him again later to teach them to pray, but They were given a model prayer to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. This is Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse six. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And He now gives us the Our Father. I'm going to walk with you through the Our Father today. I just have such a sense of quietness and peace in my heart. In spite of the rocky beginning of this video and this message on the radio, It didn't ruffle the calm that I feel because I've spent many hours waiting before Jesus and praying. Had a crazy dream last night. I don't know that it means anything except 
in the dream, there was a pond out in front of a, an apartment house and there, it was full of alligators. And so in my dream, the alligators came in the apartment complex, climbed up the steps to the second floor. I lived on the third floor. So I just stayed upstairs. They were thrashing around and making a mess and muddying up the walls. And I was praying. In my dream, I was praying. And I was saying, Lord, will you run these alligators out of this apartment complex? When I finished praying, after some time, I ventured out into the hallways downstairs to find out if the alligators were gone. And I spoke with the neighbors and encouraged them. There was damage to some of the doors and walls. And then I went out to the pond, and the alligators were all gone. And I lifted my voice in my in my dream. I lifted my voice, and I, I began to praise Jesus that the alligators were gone. Well, all of us have situations in our life where it seems that we're being inundated with alligators. They're threatening. They're life-threatening. Sometimes it's the car. Sometimes it's a person or people. Sometimes it's at the job. just seems like we're surrounded by alligators. I know the Lord hears our prayer. I know the Lord answers our prayer. And I know that we have to pray and say, Oh, Jesus, make room in my heart to pray. I don't want to be so full of all the activities, all of the things that consume us, the fears that oppress us. I don't want all of that to fill my heart. I want the peace of God to fill my heart. And it is right now. I feel such a sense of the, of the peace of God. It's even hard for me to do this broadcast today because I'd rather just go get in my, in my prayer closet and commune with Jesus. But I'm here in obedience to his command because there's some things he wanted me to say to you today. Well, first, there are three requests in the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, and then there are, there are three requests for the Lord, for God, and then there are three requests for me. Just as in the Ten Commandments, there are the first four commandments for God, and the last six for relationship with people. So this prayer begins, Our Father in heaven. Our Father. It doesn't begin, see, he's told me to go to the, to the closet, my bedroom, 
to shut the door to pray in private. I'm the only one in that private prayer room. And he says, now say, our father, not my father. Why? Because we're part of a church. We're part of a family. We pray for all of us. Never do we just pray for me. We pray for all of us because if I'm short financially, others are also short financially. I'm not going to come and ask that I separately be provided with the resources I need. I'm going to pray, oh God, take care of your people. Pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Now, this word in the Greek, hallowed, is made up of two words. To separate and from the earth. So, literally, he's saying, pray our Father in heaven. There are many who have different gods. But we pray to our Father who's in heaven. And we then ask that in his name that we recognize that he is separated from the earth. Our Father is separated from the earth. He doesn't, this is not his home. It's not our home. It will be one day in a new earth, in a new heaven. But right now we're on a prison planet because of sin. So we're praying to our Father and we're praying to our Father who is separated from earth who does not participate in the sin of this earth. And then the most dangerous prayer we can pray, your kingdom come. Your, literally, your divine authority take over on this earth. We're asking that the current regime of darkness be cast out, kicked out, destroyed, overcome. We're asking that Satan's kingdom be replaced by the glorious kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're asking that Jesus would come in power with his kingdom, with the Father's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're saying, Father, you see the situation I'm in. The battle belongs to the Lord. That's what David said as he faced Goliath. He said, the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, David went out under the covering of his father and under the covering of King Saul. He goes out 
to meet Goliath. Goliath is much, much taller and bigger. He's a giant, nine foot nine inches tall, probably weighed over 500 pounds. David might have come maybe to his waist, but probably not even that tall. It was like a parent with a little child. And David hears the giant say, I curse you in the name of my gods. Well, now the giant's in trouble. Because while David is smaller than Goliath, David's God is bigger than Goliath's God. And now this is between the gods, the real God of heaven and the false God of the Philistines. So we come praying. Your will be done in this situation that I'm in. The battle belongs to the Lord. I don't care what you're facing today in terms of circumstances. God can handle it. It's God's battle if you belong to him. But you've got to go on bended knee and you've got to seek his face. And you've got to let Jesus hollow out a place in your soul and your personality, in your schedule, to come before the Lord and honestly begin to pray. This is not light. This is not frivolous. This is not shallow. We come asking that the will of God will be done in my situation on earth, even as his will is done in heaven. His will is always done in heaven. His will is always done in heaven. And now I'm coming to him, and I'm kneeling before him, and I'm saying, Father, would you cause your will to be done in my life, in our life, even as your will is done in heaven? Will you see the alligators? <clears throat> will you see the alligators? They're going to consume me. I can't fight them. Will you see the giants? See the vultures gathering over my head. I'm going to die, Jesus. I'm not going to make it. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I put my life in your hands and I ask that only your will would be done over my life. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You have no part in my life or in this ministry. You have no part of this radio broadcast. You have no part in the life of those who are listening right now. We are claiming in the name of Jesus that everything in our lives will be done according to the will of God as it is done in heaven. 
That means all selfishness has to be put down. All bitterness has to be put down. We are coming and asking the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth, if he would carry out his will in our hearts and in our lives. That includes our money, our health. Do I need to pray again? Lord Jesus, I'm lifting my hand up toward this radio. And I'm asking now that every person who's willing to stretch forth their hand in agreement with me, that you would hear the cry of their heart. And we are asking that your will would be accomplished in the situation they face that your will would be supreme, that you would rule over that business, you would rule over that sickness. Lord, I'm just hearing you want to heal somebody today. Lord, would you rule over that sickness right now? Thank you, Jesus. In your name, So, we want the will of God to be done. Only the will of God. The total will of God in our situation. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then comes the first step of the deliverance that we've been praying for. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day the portion that we need to live. Not enough for tomorrow, enough for today. Give us this day our daily bread. I was facing a very difficult situation with last month's radio bill. We were still over $1,000 short. I'd already done two days of offertory. What was I to do? I went off the air after two days of doing offertory. And I began to cry out to the Lord. And there was a text on my phone. And a Christian brother made the pledge. I received his check yesterday. Of the few who did make pledges, some of them, some of you, made it on nationalprayerchapel.com online and that all came in and some of you sent checks Laura or Leslie your check came and another dear sister's check came who sacrifices month by month as she's able and she sent a hundred dollars I just watched 
as God worked in a miraculous way to cover. Now, I'm not on salary. And I was faced with a very difficult personal financial obligation of $1,500. I had no way to pay it. I had every penny of my own, if I had such, every penny went into paying for radio for this last month. So I'm facing now a desperate need to pay someone $1,500 for a service that it was absolutely essential that I have. And I cried out to the Lord, and he answered. And that check also came yesterday, $1,500 for a personal need, and the rest of the radio money came. What I'm saying today, what I'm sharing with you today, is not cheap or easy. It comes directly out of the prayer closet. And he said to us, give, pray, give us this day our daily bread. That is, give to us that which we must have to be able to survive now, I could begin to think rapidly, Lord, the rent is coming due at the end of this month. And I see absolutely no human possibility of paying for that rent. But you know what? The rent's not due yet. The rent is not due yet. So should I be worried about the rent? Or should I be trusting Jesus that he will provide as it is necessary? I'm going to choose to rest in Jesus, to believe his word to me that he would carry me through. What I'm trying to say today, and I'm I'm having to use some personal examples that are rather embarrassing for a man. But I've given all I have to Jesus. And so here I am, and here are some of you who have given everything to Jesus. I walked into a business yesterday to get a cup of coffee at a Panera. And the general manager was there, and I know him. He's a dear friend. He came and spoke with me. And I said, how are you doing? How's business? Well, he said, business is good. But he said, I received a sum of money. And should I be worried about Christmas? and buying all the gifts for everybody? Should I have gone on Cyber Monday or 
Black Friday, should I have spent this money for myself? He said, how could I? Our church right now has a desperate need. So that's where I put the money. I gave him a hug. I said, you're trusting Jesus, and he's faithful. He'll take care of your family. He'll take care of you. I'm just today without any reservation saying that out of my understanding of Scripture and out of my own personal experience with the Lord, He takes care of us so that we don't have to be bitter and fighting and angry. We don't have to be growling and grabbing. We don't have to have a wolf spirit. But we can walk as lambs of God at peace And we can ask him, give us this day our daily bread. And he is going to give us that daily bread. Not enough for next week, maybe. But what we need right now. Now, I think it's also more than just physical food. It's more than just the money we need. I think it's also our daily serving of grace. I'm so clear in my mind that every day I am totally resting in Jesus. He moves from that to, and forgive us our sins, or forgive us our debts. The word is sin in the Greek. Forgive us our sins. And the word forgive is aphemy, remove from me my sins. I'm so clear, brothers and sisters, I'm so clear on this. I need the constant flowing grace of God to remove from my heart every vestige of darkness, every inclination to be angry or bitter, every inclination to defend and protect, every inclination of my heart. I need the flowing grace of Jesus. I need his forgiveness. Constant. I am totally, moment by moment, entirely dependent upon Jesus. Now, does that mean that every moment I'm sinning? No. He would not say, he would not say, forgive us our sins, if he was not going to give us our daily bread, if he was not going to carry us, and if there was not a constant stream of his grace flowing into our lives. And then it says, as we forgive our debtors, or as we forgive those who have sinned against us, take away their offense. Don't carry it in your heart. Now, you have no blood to wash away their sin. That'll be between them and Jesus. But you don't have to hold on to their sin. 
Do you have anybody who's sinning against you today? Forgive them. And lead us not into temptation. That's parasmus. It is the place of testing of a saying. It's the place where the devil says, I'm going to sift Peter. The Lord said, pray that you will not be sifted like Peter. Oh, Lord, don't let me be pierced through. Don't let me be put to the proof. Don't let the assayer test me to see what my character is like. It's not leading into a place where you're tempted. It's a poor translation. It is lead us not into a place where we will be pierced through and tested. Like in Genesis 22 with Abraham. Deliver us from the evil one. Yes, it is the devil being spoken of here, but it's much more than that. It's the hardships. It's the pressure. It's the harassment. It's the peril. It's the danger. Lord, deliver me from all of these harassments from my boss. That's what some of you are praying He's an alligator. He's unholy. He's ungodly. He persecutes you. The Lord's prayer is saying, deliver me from that persecution. Release me. This is in the 13th verse, but deliver us. That word deliver is the breaking of all bondage. It is setting free. It is opening the snare so you can take your foot out of the snare and not be held captive. Oh, I don't want to be held captive by bitterness or anger. I don't want to be held captive by a person who hates me. And if I hate them back, I'm held in bondage. If I speak back to them and give them a piece of my mind, I'm held in bondage. My sins will not be forgiven. The grace of God will stop flowing to me. I can tell you why the grace of God is flowing in my life. It's flowing because I have forgiven all of my enemies. I have forgiven those who persecuted me. I have forgiven those who have stolen from me. I have forgiven those who have lied about me. I have forgiven all men and all women. And when you forgive, the peace of God begins to flow in your heart. Now, of course, if you were hating, then you need to repent of that. If you were bitter, you need to repent of that. If you mistreated others, you need to repent of that and make restitution. Repentance is the way into the grace of God and into the peace of Jesus. To deliver us from the evil one is to have the trap opened and let us escape. Oh Lord, I I come right now 
I'm just hearing that there are some brothers and sisters who are held in a trap. They don't know how to get out of it. They see great danger to them and to their family. And they don't know how to avoid it. Oh, Lord, I'm asking, will you deliver them now from the evil one? Would you lead them not into a place of piercing, of pain, of anguish? Lord, we just trust you to carry us in every way we need to be carried to develop character in us, as talked about in Hebrews the 12th chapter where you discipline us for our good to bring forth a harvest of righteousness. But Lord, that's a short time. It's not year after year after year. Some of my brothers and sisters have been in grave pain for many years. I'm asking right now by your grace and by your mercy, would you deliver them from the evil one? Thank you, Lord. And then it ends, the Lord's Prayer ends, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive you for your sin. Oh, I want my sin to be forgiven. I want the constant stream of God's grace flowing into my life. The battle belongs to the Lord. But it means you're going to have to carve out room in your heart. You're going to have to go pray. Not ritual prayers. Real prayers, real tears. You're going to have to go into that prayer closet and find space in your heart to allow God to have his way to change you into a new creature, a new person. He'll tell you what he wants you to do. If there are people you need to forgive, he'll tell you that. You need to wait before him. You don't need a lot of words, just very honest, simple words. I pray today that Jesus will meet you. I believe he will. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for being a part of this broadcast today. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'd also love to hear from some of you on on our 
webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Well, I'm Pastor Ray. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. God bless you. Before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great Presence of His glory with